Welcome to the Orange Socks Podcast with Dr. Gerald Nebaker, where we feature inspiring lives despite a diagnosis. Today's episode is number 76, Laura and Devin. In this episode, I speak with Laura and Devin about Annie, who is Laura's adult sister with Down syndrome, who lives with them, and over whom Laura and Devin have legal guardianship. I know you are going to love hearing their story. Laura and Devin, thank you so much for taking the time for an Orange Sox interview. I really appreciate it. And Laura, your sister Annie lives with you. I believe you were eight years old when she was born. Why don't you tell me some of your thoughts? What do you remember about early life or when she was born with your sister? When Annie was born, Annie is actually a twin. So my parents came home and they told us all that they were expecting twins and we were excited. It was a boy and a girl, and they were gonna be for sure the cabooses to our family. They were five and six. So my parents were excited to have these two come. And when she was born, my parents had no idea. They had no idea that Annie had Down syndrome. My mom had forgone doing any amniocentesis or anything like that, and so um, it was a complete surprise. And I remember my parents kind of telling us what Down syndrome was, and I remember specifically them saying, you know, there have been times in our family that we have said retarded or we've made fun of people with disabilities, but now we have a sister who has this disability and we have to make sure that we're really sensitive to that. And I remember in my eight-year-old brain remembering a time that we had sat at the dinner table and someone had told a joke about a retard and, you know, those kinds of things, which now our family is aghast. We would never say that word because we understand better than we did then. It was just ignorance. But those are some of my earlier memories. When I was about 10, Annie was two years old. I didn't have a great relationship with her. And I remember one night laying on my bed and I was crying and my mom came in and she said, what's wrong? And I said, my sister Amanda has a relationship with Annie and my sister Emily has a good relationship with Julia and Daniel. Daniel was her twin. And I said, I don't have anyone. I don't know why I'm not close to anyone. And she said, well, if you wanna build a relationship with someone, then you need to spend time with them. And so you need to start spending time with whoever you want to have a relationship with. And so I figured if I wanted to have a relationship with Annie, that's what I needed to do. And so I started spending a lot of time with her. Annie loved to swing outside. And so I would go outside and I would swing with Annie. She wasn't quite able at that age to do monkey bars, but as she got older and wanted to do monkey bars, I'd go out there and do that with her. And I remember my mom saying things like, that's so great that you're doing that because those are some muscle tone things they're working on in OT. And we're grateful that you're spending that time with her. And so as I did that, me and Annie just got closer and closer. And as we would go on family vacations, then, you know, all the sisters, because it's mostly girls in my family, we would take turns helping with the younger kids. But I would spend time with Annie and different times I'd give her piggyback rides as we'd be traveling to different places. And um, we just kind of developed a relationship that way. As I got older, in high school, I ran a group that was very similar to Best Buddies. Anyone that had an intellectual or physical disability, we would not sit up in the stadium during a football game, we would sit down on the grass on the lawn and Annie came with me every single time we did that. So just because of those kinds of things, you know, people at my high school knew who Annie was. They knew us as buddies being together. And I'll add to that, any of these things that I'm saying, like the best buddies program was completely my mom's idea. She suggested I do it. And I'm grateful as I look back to some of those things that my mom put into my mind of, hey, why don't you, she saw a couple that had won homecoming king and queen at a different school and they were interviewed in the newspaper and the parents said the main reason they had so much 
notoriety within the school was because of this Best Buddies program. And so when my mom saw that a neighboring school was doing that, she said, hey, you should start that at your school. That would be so cool. And so she gave me a lot of ideas that kind of helped me to know how to help and that really solidified me and Annie's relationship. What was it like with your friends? As you had friends over, were you the friend with a different sister? How did your friends accept Annie or did that have any effect on any of your friendships? Never a negative effect, if anything, only positive. People loved Annie. Annie has always been full of love and warmth. And so people loved to sit and play with her because she was fun to play with. People loved that she loved to give hugs. I had a friend that also had a sister with Down syndrome. And so people knew that both of us had a sister um, with Down syndrome. And there was never any negative talk about Annie or my friend's sister. It was always a really positive thing. Like, oh, that's so great that you have a sister with Down syndrome. How did Annie in your life affect your dating relationships and now your husband's when you were uh, first going out and engaged? I think Devin knew that me and Annie had a special relationship. Yeah. Just because we had always been really good friends and me and Annie had. And as me and Devin were dating and as things got more serious and we were engaged, I said to him before we got married, I said, I just want you to know that if we get married, you have to be okay with eventually down the line perhaps being willing to take Annie into our home. I said, we've always been so close, that's always kind of been my thought, that if something happened to my parents or as my parents age, Annie's gonna need to go somewhere and I want it to be with me. Are you okay with that? And he was like, yeah, of course, you know, I'd be happy to have her. And Devin was always great with Annie. He had to have a little training about not saying the word retarded. <laughs> Um, yeah. when we first got married. <laughs> but again, it was an ignorance we thing. Were, we were dating at that point. I, yeah, I, it was. He, it yeah. was. <laughs> he took care of it before we got married. <laughs> so Devin, what were your thoughts? So now you're dating this uh, young woman that you want to marry and she's got a sister that might come live with you. What were you thinking? At first it was just, okay, that's somewhere down the line. But it wasn't like we weren't spending a lot of time you know, with Annie anyway. You know, we were always over their family's house. You know, I got to know Annie pretty well, quickly. Aside from my occasional uncouth word, you know, it was, you it know. It didn't scare you off? No, not at all. <laughs> so you got married, and at some point, Annie came to live with you. Were you the designated sister that she lived with somehow? Yeah, so there's kind of a big story behind that. Right after we got married, my mom and Annie's twin brother, Daniel, had both had cancer before we got married. My brother had leukemia, my mom had breast cancer, and they kind of went through their cancer battle together. And when we got married, they were both in remission. We were ecstatic. We thought that that was gonna go on forever. We were super hopeful, you know? We were both sure they were gonna live well into old age. But very quickly after we were married, three months after, my brother was re-diagnosed with leukemia. Not only did he relapse, but he passed away three weeks after he was re-diagnosed. Oh my. And it was devastating for our whole family. We were just very upset about it. And Annie took it horribly. It was her twin brother. And people say that twins have a special bond, and they do. So how old was Annie at that time? Annie was 12. 12. 12. Mm -hmm. So her twin brother then died at 12. Yes, and mm -hmm. they were fraternal twins. So uh -huh. Danielle did not have Down syndrome. My parents said, and it was so true, it was such a blessing that Danielle and Annie were born together because all growing up, when Danielle would start to crawl, Annie 
would watch him. She had this built-in role model who just showed her all of these developmental milestones, what to do next. And so because of that, Annie was and is extremely bright. She progressed really well in school. She was not exclusively in a regular ed classroom. They did an inclusion model that included some special ed classes, but she very much was with her regular peers. And a lot of that was because she had my brother Daniel, who is her twin, and then she has a sister that's just like 22 months older than her. So between these two little buddies she had, she had these great peers that kind of helped her do really well. And Annie was devastated and it affected her because then not only did he pass away, but my mom was re-diagnosed with breast cancer at the same time and lung cancer and bone cancer and brain cancer. It's like, it just kept coming. It was a real struggle because not only had my brother just died, but my mom was extremely sick. And at that time, I had been going to school to teach special education. And so I already kind of knew a little bit about the IEP process. I knew a little bit about, you know, what services kids got and things like that. And so because of that, it kind of just fell in that I was able to start helping. I also was in the middle of going to college and my mom had always denied doing any kind of respite services. She said, you know, my family will take care of it. And we had an amazing caseworker at the time. Um, her name is Lorena. And she said, you know what, Sandra, I know you've always said no to respite services, but I think you've hit a point in your life where you've got cancer and you might need a little extra help. And she said, it can be someone within the family. And so she said, hey, you're going to school. You have a flexible schedule. Why don't you do respite? And so I did, I started doing respite with Annie. And so because of that, it was my job and it just kind of fell in naturally. We always made sure that the first week of school we would go with Annie so that she didn't have to have an aide take her from class to class at junior high and navigate the campus, but one of us would go with her. My mom used to do it, but then I kind of took over and started doing that. So I developed a rapport with her teachers and continued that relationship with Annie. What happened is I kind of took over that and at the same time I was spending all this time with Annie and my mom realized kind of the fragility of life. She knew that she might not be around forever. And so we started talking a lot about what would happen to Annie. It was a very regular conversation. I would say that me and my mom talked about it every two weeks at least. She would bring it up or I would bring it up and my mom kind of laid out things that she wanted for Annie. She made it very clear that she wanted Annie to graduate with her peer group. She didn't want Annie to be at school additional years because Annie had gone to school all this time with her peer groups. Her same peers, they knew her. We always joke and say that Annie was a celebrity on campus because if she would walk around the school, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone knew who she was. When she had her 16th birthday party, you know, a hundred kids showed up. Like that's just how Annie was. And so my mom kind of said, you know, she's gotta, she's gotta graduate when she's 18. And she told me other things as well. She kind of told me things she envisioned. She said, I want to make sure that she lives in a house where there's always life, where there's new babies and a family that's growing. She talked about eventually Annie living in a house where she could have maybe like her own mother-in-law suite where she could live and still be a part of a family, but have some independence of her own. She talked about Annie serving a mission, Annie going on to college. And she talked about Annie hopefully getting married someday, having a relationship that she could feel like she was the same as her sisters, you know? She got married to someone and I remember asking like, how does that work? Like, really, you think she could marry someone? And I was like, sure, why not? 
And so because we talked about all these things, it kind of cemented in my mind some things that she thought would work for Annie. I remember her talking to me because I was a teacher and saying, wouldn't it be great if later on in life, you and Annie ran a preschool together? It's interesting because so many of these things that we talked about have come to fruition. And I think it's because she laid that groundwork. She had envisioned a life for Annie and that's what she did her whole life. She had these goals for Annie and she would make them happen. And so she had envisioned this life for Annie and because she talked to me about it so much, really almost every single thing that, I mean, not everything. Annie's not married yet, which she will tell you the first thing as soon as you meet her. She's looking for the right guy. I think the exact verbiage is, when I meet a cute guy, I like. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, so that was really helpful that my mom did that. And so my mom passed away really quickly after my brother. My mom passed away nine months after my brother did. Annie was only 13. She was young. And it was hard, it was hard. Lest you think I did any of this alone, it was totally a family effort. I have a sister who at the time had moved back in with my family to help because everyone had cancer. And her name's Emily. And when my mom died, she said, okay, you know, Daniel's gone. So there's these two sisters still at home. I had a sister named Julia. She was 15 when my mom died. And there was Annie and she was 13 when my mom died. And we kind of said, we're gonna be a power team. Emily said, I'll take Julia because Emily and Julia had a really strong relationship. And she goes, you take Annie. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And so my mom passed away in June. And in August, me and Emily went to all of the back to school classes and meet the teacher. And we were going around talking to their high school teachers and trying to meet them and figure out what they needed and you know read their syllabus and get their supplies. And we just looked at each other and kept going, Really, this is our job? Because I was 21, was I 21? Yeah. Yeah, and Emily was 27. You know, we were young to be navigating high school and to be acting kind of that way, but it's what needed to happen. And so it's kind of just how we went forward. Let me ask a question about impact. Here, you are newlyweds. How long had you been married when Annie came to live with you? Three years. Three years. So three years. So Did you have other children by then? Not yet. Okay. Mm -mm. All of a sudden, and you know, you're a newlywed still, and three years later, you have someone now in your home, your sister's sister. What were you thinking in terms of that, in terms of, gosh, now there's other responsibilities or financial or health? What are some of your thoughts? I mean, I think that as far as Annie coming to live with us, it wasn't just an event that occurred, like a discrete event. It was kind of phased in, if you will. You know, we would spend our weekends and our evenings you know, at the family's house and we would all eat dinner together. You know, and then as time went on, you know, just various circumstances, it became more obvious that, you know, Annie was gonna live with us. But we had a period in about 2010, so we'd been married about three and a half years, I think, when, you know, we rented a bigger house and. Annie lived with us and Emily and Julia, they came along for the ride too. And so we just kind of had a big you know, family home that we all lived in for a couple years. And eventually when Annie was turning 18, we obtained guardianship and did all that. So it was kind of a phase in from, you know, we hang out with Annie, you know, when we're dating and first married, okay, we're taking care of Annie on a more daily and nightly basis. Then Annie comes and lives with us with the other sisters as well. And then, you know, we become 
her guardian. It was a process, not a drastic change. So you obviously developed a love for and appreciation of Annie early on. Yeah. Let's fast forward a little bit. You've moved from where you were to another place. You're going to school and all that. Had other children. You've had how many other children? Have you we have three. Three children and Annie. And so in some ways, she's kind of a built-in babysitter. Right. <laughs> and in other ways, she is part of your preschool program, just like your mom envisioned. What's it like to have her at that level and interacting with your children? And what is her impact on them? One answer to that, as we kind of tried to figure out where Annie would go, because there were other sisters willing to take her, one thing that we kind of thought was a good thing was that Devin and I didn't have children when Annie first came to live with us. And so that way, as we did have children, Annie would just be a person in our household. You know, it wasn't like a new thing. Annie has always had an amazing relationship with our kids as we've had each of our kids. It's just been phenomenal to watch her. We call Annie the baby whisperer because Annie can put any kid to bed. Like she helps them fall asleep so well and easily. Annie loves babies. I mean, absolutely adores them. If she goes anywhere and someone has a baby, she's asking if she can hold them. And she's great with kids. Yeah. She'll tell you that as soon as they can talk back and get sassy, she's kind of like, eh, they're not so fun anymore. <laughs> I have the same opinion. I'll, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll hold them while they're good, but not. It's, uh, it's an interesting relationship that Annie has with our kids, especially as they're getting, not the new baby, but as the boys are getting older, where it's a fluid relationship. Sometimes it's more of Annie is the aunt, and she's kind of more of an authority figure and has the ability to tell them what to do. But sometimes it kind of flows into almost kind of a quasi-sibling relationship. So they'll fight and they'll bicker and, you know, somebody comes away crying, they flip a coin who it's going to be. And so it's been interesting trying to navigate that as far as do the kids have to listen to Annie when she's bossing them or do they not? You know, what are the circumstances? And so that's kind of been an interesting. That is interesting. We have a sister who has a 14 year old daughter and she babysits. And sometimes we see similarities between Annie and that 14-year-old daughter because just as they have a hard time navigating, okay, this daughter is the babysitter sometimes, but sometimes, and so she has authority there, but sometimes she's the sibling. And that kind of can be how it is with Annie because she is the authority figure at times, you know, because of how she helps and watches them. But at the same time, there's times where she needs to just let us parent and not step in so much, you know? It is funny though, because our oldest boy, he's six now, his name's Gabe. When he was about three years old, he said to me, mom, why do we have an auntie at our house? Everyone else has a mom and a dad and brothers and sisters, but we have an auntie. He was pretty quick to observe that. And I said, you know, we're just, we're really lucky. You're lucky because you have an extra person who will love you and help take care of you. And he accepted it, but you know, kids do notice that, that they have an extra person there that most people don't have. Interesting. So. How long is Annie going to live with you? She's been here how long? She's now 23, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. so she's been with us for seven years. What do you think? Is she going to be with you as long as she lives? or? We hope so. She always tells us that she's going to move and live with her husband, is what she says. But I always say, you're not allowed to leave me. I'm sorry, but you can't because I've become just as attached to her as my own kid, you know, because we spend so much time together. And I always tell her, you can get married, but only if you live next door. 
So Devin, now, what advice would you give to somebody marrying into a family that has a sibling with a disability and perhaps with the opportunity down the road of having that end up being under your roof? What advice would you give me? I'm hardly qualified <laughs> um, to give advice on any subject, much less that one. Devin's very humble. <laughs> um, I can only speak to my experience. And my experience is, in general, I'm pretty mellow and kind of a whatever's clever sort of thing. For me, it wasn't a big deal that Annie would be living with us or other sisters or whatever it may be, you know? So I guess that's just kind of my personality or I don't know how you want to phrase that, but as far as kind of the day-to-day, -day, I think you just kind of got to go through it, go into it, figure it out as it goes, because every person's unique and they have different, I guess, characteristics and just kind of learning how to make each other's characteristics work well together and each other's personalities. You know, that I remember there's a point where I realized, oh, I'm to some degree Annie's disciplinarian and I didn't entirely feel comfortable with that. It's hard trying to figure out, okay, how do we get along as effectively siblings? At the same time, there are certain times Annie does things you're like, okay, Annie, you gotta not do that. Or, you know, how do you be a brother slash father or whatever it may be. Mm. And then just as time goes on, and as you have forged that relationship, your love and your bond deepens. And, you know, I think Annie and I have mutual respect and trust. And, you know, I think sometimes we team up against Lara. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's just, I guess, time and patience and trying to do right by each other is kind of the, the best way. I don't know if there's some test or anything of, is this gonna work or is this not? Sometimes you just kind of take what life gives you and make the best out of it. Super. So Laura, how has having a sister, as an older sister of somebody with disabilities, in this case, Down syndrome, how has it impacted your life? I can honestly say that my relationship with Annie and the way I kind of mentioned earlier that my mom helped guide me through some things has really shaped so much of my life. Annie, it was because of her that I became a special ed teacher. It was because of her that I did a lot of the things that I did even in high school and moving forward. Honestly, even the field of law that Devin is in right now is because of Annie. He works trying to help people with different developmental or physical disabilities get the needs that they need in an educational setting. We are doing that because of experiences Annie had in school. And so it's opened our eyes to the different needs that people have and how as a community we can come together and help them have those needs met. And how, I feel like I'm being redundant, but how there's so much more to celebrate in our sameness than our differences. It's kind of put us on that path and really helped me feel like there's so much to be said about the importance of education. That's kind of both of our passions is making sure that people get the education that they need. So do you have any other comments or things that you would like to say? So there's two things I can think of. One is that when my brother first passed away, I remember saying to Devin, remember how I said in 20 years we might have Annie? We'll go ahead and bring that forward about, what did I say? It'll be about five years until we have her, something like that. And I remember, I mean, granted we had been married three months, Devin was kind of like, it took him back, like, whoa. But since that moment, you know, three months in having 
a slight bit of hesitation, which who can fault him? <laughs> Later, a friend asked me, she said, you know, Annie's been with you guys for a while. Does Devin ever complain about it? Does he ever complain about having Annie? I thought about it and I said, not once. There's not been a single time that he has said, I wish Annie didn't live with us or it's so hard having her. If anything, it's me that at times says, man, it's hard to have Annie in our home or just because it's hard to balance her schedule. A lot of times I'm trying to care for someone who's 23 and has the needs of going to college classes while trying to juggle the needs of three and four year olds because as a mother, I'm still very much in the baby phase. And so that disparity can be difficult. And so I said, if anything, it's me that says, ah, this is so hard. And he just says, it's okay, we'll figure it out. Their relationship is incredibly special. They, like he said, team up against me sometimes if I'm being, you know, unrealistic. He is the first to make sure that she has what she needs. If he makes smoothies at night for us, he makes sure to go and offer, you know, it's always his first thought to make sure that she has everything that she needs. If anything, I've learned from him how to be a better guardian, how to show her more love when there's times that I feel like I'm being selfish. And the other thing is having Annie in our home, I think it's hard to state the impact it is to have her in our home. Annie, since she was a very young child, has always been really sensitive to contention. And so when younger kids in our family start bickering with each other, it really affects Annie. I mean, to the point that if she feels like there's tension in the home, she'll get emotional, she'll start crying about it. And it's our immediate sense of like, all right, gotta Pump calm down, yeah. <laughs> gotta do better here. And Annie is so quick to just show love. I mean, she'll apologize if she does something wrong. She hates if me and her are having tension for whatever reason, she hates that we are. And she'll say, I'm sorry if I did something or, hey, let's be friends, let's get along better. And so she does that with our kids too. I've always been really impressed with the amount of time Annie takes with each, we have three children, with each of them individually. You can see her outside jumping with one of them on the trampoline, just her and them, you know, building that relationship. Or she'll say, hey, let's play Uno. And she'll sit and play board games with them. Because she still enjoys some of the things that they do, she'll sit on the couch and watch movies with them. And she enjoys it just as much as they do. And so seeing her develop that relationship with them is so special. I don't know that my kids will ever understand just how much impact she had, especially on their zero to two years, wouldn't you say? I think too, like just her example of being a peacemaker or being a person who just likes to occasionally be silly and have fun has influenced our kids. You know, they're very kind and they're kind of wacky and just all these different characteristics that you can kind of trace back to Annie if you really kind of sit, sit down and think about it. Yeah, for sure. I think that Annie is so good at being consistent with them. Annie really likes routine, and so Annie's really good at making sure we read with them at nights, you know, and just go through all of those steps. The other night, she asked you if you had given Violet her medicine. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, had Right? Yeah, she <laughs> reminds me of things sometimes, you know. It's so interesting, because like we said earlier, it does vacillate between sibling and authority figure, and at times, it vacillates with us and her of like, we are her guardians, but she also helps us to such a high degree. The more I spend time with Annie, the more I realize that Annie is just a sibling. We tease each other. We, at times, fight with each other. We get along for the most part. But 
While Annie has her own set of unique characteristics, some because of her disability, some just because she's a unique person like everyone else. She's a sibling, you know, first and foremost. And so there's things that are gonna annoy you about him, but there's things that you're just gonna love. And Annie shares the inside jokes that our family has. She sometimes will make jokes out of the blue that you just go, oh, you really pay attention to our family culture, you know, because she makes a joke that is a throwback kind of joke that, you know, we say all the time. And so, my biggest advice is just pay attention to the similarities, not the differences, because really that is what there is more of. And there's something to be said for the genetic component of you still come from the same gene pool. You know, there's going to be a lot of similar likes that you have and you grow up in the same family. And so you're having similar experiences to each other. So I think that that has been something that as Annie matures and gets older, and because she's developmentally delayed, you know, it takes a little bit longer for me to see some of these things come through. But yeah, that's what I've noticed is the older she gets, the more I'm like, oh, you're just the same as me. You know, we're just, we're buddies, just like I am with my other sisters. I learned a lot from my Orange Sox sibling interview with Laura and Devin. After the interview, as we sat chatting, Laura said something I found very profound. Because she is the guardian of her sister Annie, Laura must make a shift in her head depending on the situation. She must decide, am I the guardian right now or am I the sister right now? Weighing the role she should play is not something I had considered before in situations where a sibling is granted guardianship. <laughs>